and welcome to another Talking Foosball Extra, our stick edition about the Regionalliga West. In part one of this two-part show, we gave you the lowdown on Alemannia Aachen, Bonner SC, KFC Erdingen and Fortuna Köln. Now it's time to take a closer look at another four sites that are well worth a visit and well worth your attention. My name is Nick Viltagen and joining me once again is Regionalliga West enthusiast, Jasmine Barber. I love the Liga and our Liga the best. And the players that it brings. Yeah, I've got a really exciting club for you today. That I'm looking forward to. Joining me as well is Groundhopper <laughs> and uh, probably the, the most travelled man within Germany out of the three of us, Mike Krikemeyer. Hi Nick, I hate them all in that league, like all the other clubs. <laughs> right. In part one, Mike is going to talk about a club that he hates. Uh, I'm going to talk about a club that I feel rather indifferent towards. And, you know, after that, uh, we'll be talking about a couple more teams in part two. So all of that is to come. So stay tuned for that. Here is part one. Mike, tell me, which side are you really, really hating? <laughs> and, you know, I have, I have to say, shame on you as, as a person from Bremen, because this side, I think, has a fan friendship, or had at least, with Werder Bremen, right? That's correct, but probably not one of the most famous friendships, because it was, if I'm not totally wrong, uh, mainly dominated by either hooligan sides of both teams and uh, you might even say of, of the far right-wing sides of both teams. So uh, we're talking about Rot-Weiss Essen and when you take a look at that league, it's probably the biggest fish in the sea at all. They were German champion in 1955. They were the cup winner in 1994 against Werder, if I'm not wrong. I think so. And they play at the famous Hafenstraße, which today has a capacity of about 20,000 people. They for sure do have one of the best support in numbers in that league. And although they haven't been in the Bundesliga since 1977, and even not in second league since 2007, the club is one of with the biggest tradition in German football at all. So uh, most famous they are for Helmut Rahn. He's the goal scorer of the important goal to win the 1954 World Cup. And he was simply called the boss. Uh, played for he played for Rot-Weiss Essen and um, you might have seen the movie or it's even it's even a musical today uh, the Wunder von Bern so the story about is that a musical yeah it it, it has been I, I don't know I'm not sure if they still play it. are they dancing those balls into the goal yeah I but I'm I'm not sure if they if they still do it but uh, it has been at least and they do have one of the best uh, the, the club ha they do have one of the the best football songs ever. It is adopted from Sif Malmquist's song Adiole and it's simply rephrased to O-R-V-E and I know you will all wait for it so I will just sing along. No, I don't. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, the, 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 the song is um, in the origin is uh, really, really uh, one of these old German songs and the, they just rephrased it and uh, the, 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 pa the famous line is just, oh, I don't get the text. Uh, yeah, okay, but it's O-R-V-E and it, it's, it's brilliant. So if you hear that in the stadium, you need to sing along. And yeah, their, their fans, of course, are so eager to get back to professional football for so long. They are in the Regionalliga now for 14 years, with just one year even in League 5. And this year, finally, they might return. As the champion of the Regionalliga West, they go up into the third league directly without playoffs. And so, yeah, well taking a look at the table and if you have heard the first episode we were all talking about all clubs from the bottom of the table going to Oberliga Niederrhein or whatever so Rot-Weiss Essen might go back to the big screens this summer and beside Helmut Rahn they produced many many famous players like Frank Mill, Horst Rubesch, Willi Entelippens Yeah, but, but uh, th th there are so many stories you could tell about this club, but I think uh, you just need to go to the Hafenstraße and visit the club yourself. Right, you mentioned the playoffs there. We didn't breach it in episode one, but let's take a closer look at that now. So, the Regionalliga in Germany is a regional division, as its name would suggest, so there are five Regionalligas. There's the Regionalliga for the state of Bavaria, which is an absolutely pointless exercise. There's the Southwestern Division. There's the West Division, North and Northeastern. However, there are only four places to go up, right? Yeah. And, well, I think it's okay if just four go up and go down from Third League, of course. But well, then you are just allowed to have four Regionalliga leagues. So it doesn't make any sense in the way they are doing it at the moment. So, And if you need to keep five different leagues just because the president of the DFB comes from Bavaria and he is not willing to give that up, well, then you need to have five teams who got promotion and get relegated. So you, you either need to do it this way or that way. But at the moment, the way they do it is that the Regionalliga West and the Regionalliga Southwest do get, have a guaranteed promotion place every single year. And for the other three leagues, which are Bavaria, North and Northeast, they do have um, a playoff game for two of them. And the third one gets up directly and this third one rotates every single year between the three of them. So this is just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, especially going... I, I understand why the West has that, you know, safe spot. You do? Yeah, I mean, the West is basically the biggest regional league out of the bunch of them, right? Ah, sorry, uh, the, the West. I, I thought you said the Southwest. No, the West, yeah, I, I do get that. But yeah. the Southwest, I don't get. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, compared to the Northeast, where you have a lot of big teams in size, followers. So, I mean, it's just politicking by the DFB, right? Yeah. And no one really gets it, so don't know. And uh, one last question about Rotweiss Essen. I mean, it must be disappointing for them that they're not in the, well, not only not in the third tier, but I, th I think, as you mentioned, they have a pass in the Bundesliga, have some great Bundesliga players, uh, 
great Bundesliga folklore, like knives being thrown at Sepp Meyer and uh, drunken fans on goalposts against Werder Bremen. I mean, we've told some of those stories on uh, episodes on Patreon of uh, our match day review series. But for them, it must be disappointing that they're not a Bundesliga 2 club, given that the city of Essen is actually quite big, isn't it? With the 1 million inhabitants, I think it has, plus that there are actually a lot of big companies coming from Essen, right? Yeah, I think it, they are the, I don't know, fourth or fifth biggest city in Germany. And taking that into consideration, it, it's unbelievable that their football club is uh, not taking part in one of the first leagues. But yeah, as I said before, they do have a huge support. If they get back up, they will have easily sold the Hafenstraße, sold out every single game. Yeah, but it's it's sad from that perspective that they struggle in the Regionalliga. But again, it will be fun to watch them next year, I, I believe. Yeah. Absolutely. Actually, they had a quite a good run in the in the DFB Pokal under the first Corona season. Didn't they get all the way to the quarterfinals or something after beating Bayer Leverkusen? Yeah, and they do that in the cup every now and then. So this is their highlight. You're right. Uh, let's talk about another club that has a lot of highlights in store. And let's stay with Rot Weiss, okay? Let's go for Rot Weiss Oberhausen. Oberhausen is a city which is... Uh, roughly i think 40 minutes away by train from cologne you know i tried to google what's been going on in oberhausen and um, it turns out it's not an awful lot but the football team has actually been rather decent at times they played a few seasons in the bundesliga back in the 70s however you know given that they had not a lot of great players and uh, struggled financially and to keep up with, the, with some of the bigger sides in the league uh, they actually got involved in the Bundesliga scandal in the 1970-71 season. So that meant that they, um, you know, as as the revelations were unrolled, in the end were punished. They got a points deduction two seasons later on and uh, then got relegated and uh, never returned to the Bundesliga. Right now, if you look at something that is called the Eternal Table of the Bundesliga, Rotweiss Oberhausen is there in uh, 39th. Uh, having played 136 matches in the Bundesliga. And you think, well, um, that sounds bad. It's actually not that bad, as there have been 56 sides featured in the Bundesliga, so they're in 39th there. But after the 70s, they sort of went on a bit of a roller coaster right uh, throughout the divisions, and they've been back and forth a few times. Now they're back in the fourth division. However, they've they've been featured in the Bundesliga 2 for many years, actually. I mean, when I was growing up in the 90s, Rot-Weiss Oberhausen used to play in the Bundesliga 2, I think from the end of the 90s and all the way till the mid-noughties, right? But the last time they were in the Bundesliga 2 was back in 2010-2011. They got relegated there. And <laughs> in 2011-2012, they, they managed the great feat of getting relegated again from the Dritte Liga. Straight back down to the Regionalliga West, where they've been since the 2012-2013 season. There they have been one of the bigger sides in the league, but they've, you know, not managed to get promoted. And they've been close on a few occasions. They've finished third in 2013-2014, uh, fourth in 2014-2015, and second in 2018-2019. And two seasons ago, they finished fourth once again. So... Uh, 
a side that is always there or there about when it comes to that, you know, conversation about who might be able to get promoted, but uh, they've uh, never really managed to get there. A couple of other stories that caught my eye when I was uh, researching them was the fact that Lothar Korblun, a guy who actually was the top scorer in that scandalous season of the, in the early 70s, he didn't receive his Torjäger Kanone before 36 years had gone. I mean, he scored, uh, I think, 18 goals that Bundesliga season, but he wasn't given the award by kicker due to what his club had been involved in. I mean, it wasn't really, according to the ruling by the DFB, it wasn't really the players' fault. As uh, I think it was actually the president and the coach of Rot-Weiss Essen who were judged to have been participating in the Bundesliga scandal. Their names are Peter Maaßen, uh, who was the president, and uh, Günther Brocker, who was the coach of that team back then. So anyways, that is um, a strange story as well. And uh, additionally, their president is kind of an interesting figure, Hajo Sommers. Uh, now, Mike, tell me, what is he famous for in Germany? Yeah, he's uh, quite similar as the former St. Pauli president, Corny Littmann. So he's, uh, let's say, theater actor. And he really likes to produce himself. And he's I'm not a big fan of Connie Littmann, but I uh, I think Hayo Zomas is quite a funny guy. He he also loves to tour t- through uh, TV shows, and yeah, I like him. Yeah, and uh, I mean he's uh, he's been at the club for many many years now. I mean he's not one of those actors who um, you know does it to have something on his you know CV or make his Wikipedia page look more interesting. He's actually. A guy who's really in, involved in that club and wants them to do well. Do you have any any observations about the Stadion Niederrhein, a place that apparently has a capacity of 17,165 spectators and 4,350 of them are standing places? Yeah, it's, it's one of those old German stadiums. The interesting fact is that it's right at the, the Niederrhein Channel, so you can after you 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 you've won there you can just jump into the water it's just a few meters next to the uh, away sector yeah it has no roofs in the ends so just the main stand and the the other stand are do have uh, a roof so that's the reason why they can't earn that much money and um yeah if you want to look up something on Rufus Oberhausen, you uh, can look up the songs. They are also quite famous. Uh, on I need to look up the band, which is quite famous from, from the punk section. I, I will have it in a minute. Just Right. And whilst you're looking that up, I can tell you that this team actually had a quite a decent cup run. The first that they've reached into the DFB because actually the semi-finals that was back in the 98-99 season and you know they started off with a win against Werder Bremen 2 so uh, the second team of Werder Bremen then they won against SF Eisbachtal 4-1 which is probably not a great defeat but then listen to that then they played against Hamburger SV won that one uh, 7-6 after penalties and in the next round they played at home in front of um, 19,000 spectators against Borussia Mönchengladbach and beat them 2-0. And Bayern Munich in the semifinals were obviously one bridge too far for them. 
But hey, the top scorer of the DFB Pokal that season, his name was Achim Weber. He played for Rot-Weiß Oberhausen, scored six goals in the DFB Pokal. Rot-Weiß Oberhausen finished 12th in the Bundesliga to that season, so a mediocre season at best, you would say. But Achim Weber, well, he's never had any sort of season of that quality in any league. I mean, he's nine Bundesliga games to his name and one goal. And other than that, he's been around in the Bundesliga 2 and, you know, the lower divisions. And, and right now, I think he's actually working uh, for Wuppertaler SV, a team to which we'll get later on. Mike, the songs? Yeah, the punk band I was looking for is Emscher Kurve 77. And uh, you just need to look that up. And uh, they do have a very, very famous album, which is Songs aus der Kurve. And I think the, the most famous song is Die Macht vom Niederrhein, which you might mis take mistaken for the Borussia Mönchengladbach song, but the one from Oberhausen was uh, earlier than that. Right, talking about <laughs> in the stands, Jasmine, you haven't said too much so far. <laughs> but you know what? Let's change it in part two. Right, here we are with part two, Jasmine. So far, you haven't really said an awful lot on this episode, but now we've gotten to a team that you've researched, and uh, it's actually quite an interesting one. You've looked rather closely at uh, Preussen Münster, so what can you tell me about them? Yeah, I've not said that much this podcast, but I think this will fill your boots for a whole episode with this team. Yeah, Preussen Münster, really, really interesting, because first of all, their name has Preussen, which basically is Prussia, and in English you would call them Prussia Münster. They were founded in 1906, and a year later they applied to play in the Western German League system, which was, I think, when they first came in was in the second tier, and they were promoted a year later. And I think they won the championship two times between ten years. And basically they are a club with a lot of history within this club so I think I have to kick it off with their stadium and everything around their stadium and just them in general that's to do with kind of broadcasting as well so in 1925 they were the first televised football match in Germany which was Münster versus Bielefeld and it was on the same ground that they later built this stadium on and they built it a year later With, by the club members, and it was a capacity of 40,000 people, which at the time was seen as this huge modern accomplishment. And it was destroyed during the World War, as most things were. It was rebuilt in 1949, but it only has a capacity of 28,000. But because of details I'll go into later... The first Bundesliga games were played in the stadium and the match against Hamburg was the first ever to be sold out. And in more recent times, um, the main stand was renewed in 2009, but today's capacity is only 15,000. But yeah, there's a lot of history where they used to play on the ground and then built their stadium. It's very close. Um, so the Preussen Stadion. And yeah, so that is a lot of history 
by itself and what they are even now. Right. As Mike noted, you know, on, on the first episode of this two part uh, <laughs> episode, is I, I look like a fucking old guy. So tell me a story about something that happened five years after World War II. <laughs> it's kind of a bizarre story when you take in football now, but five years after the Second World War, a construction company owner named uh, Josef Oferman decided with other people from Münster that they wanted Preußen in Münster to be the best club in Germany. And the team wasn't good enough to win the Oberliga, which was the first league at the time. And they had just been promoted to that league. Overman and basically other rich people got together and created a sponsor for the team. So they could then buy top class players from the league to win the title. And at the time, buying players was unheard of. And on top of this, there was a law stating that players could only earn 320 Deutsche Mark a month, which is 160 euro. But they still managed to find a loophole. They signed five players, Lammers, Schuber, Schultz, Preisler and Geritzen, who had been the best players in Germany at the time. And they managed to convince them to move by paying for their accommodation, help them get jobs in the area or uh, studying places. And at least one got a one-time payment of um, 10,000 Deutsche Mark, 5,000 euros. And this is only because of this so-called sponsorship, which basically involved so many people from the city. These players could also shop for free in their shops. And it was coined at the time as the 100,000 Mark Sturm, which is basically 100,000 Deutsche Mark strikers. And that was coined by a journalist at the time. And it made it basically a national interest, especially that it was so much money not long after the World War. And this actually set off alarm bells with the DFB, who then started investigating Preussen's books to make sure it wasn't this high and they weren't breaking any rules. And apparently it didn't actually go over 30,000 Deutsche Mark and it was completely in the rules at the time. They didn't break any rules. So the season for them could go ahead as planned. The season went well for them. After a difficult start, their new players scored 44 out of 58 goals in the season. And at the time it was a I'm not sure, so someone might have to fill up on me on the history, but they went to the playoff final for the league. That That's how the league was at the time. And the city was in love with them. The uh, investment was amazing for the city at the time. And they faced Kaiserslautern in Berlin for that final uh, with 100,000 fans in the Olympiastadion. And they lost 2-1. The fans were still happy, but following the summer... One player returned back to Dortmund, and after that, it went a bit quieter there. Right. Uh, <laughs> but after there weren't quite enough to be kept out of the Bundesliga once the Bundesliga was incepted. So how did their foray into the Bundesliga in 1963 end up working out for them? Yeah, so the DFB decided to restructure the whole league system and founded the Bundesliga, not completely what we know it is today because of the unification with East Germany, but at the time, the Bundesliga. And you could qualify by both being a good team, 
but also having solid financing. And Preussen Münster was one of those teams, and at the time Bayern Munich was not, for example. Their first match was against Hamburg with the legend Uwe Seeler and around 30 to 40,000 fans in the stadium. And Munster only didn't win because Hamburg equalised shortly before the full-time whistle. They won their next two games and everything looked like it would be a good season. But they were relegated and they were relegated missing out on safety by only one point. They were the only founding team of the Bundesliga to never play in the Bundesliga again. Wow, that leaves certainly Mark. And uh, well, I mean, I think it's the is it their first or second season back after they stayed in the third tier for nine seasons on the trot. Yeah, they dropped two seasons ago. They came 18th in the the Bundesliga to move down to the Regionalliga first. I think that was... Yeah, and, and one great thing I remember about their fans is the fact that there was a episode a, a while ago where, where somebody shouted something racist from the stands and you had the entire stand go, Nazis raus. So, out with the racists, out with the Nazis, uh, which, um, as fans go, that, you know, <laughs> that reaction is, is spot on. And they've also come up more recently because... This year in the DFB Pokal, they went through it against Wolfsburg because Wolfsburg right. um, accidentally subbed on. Van Bommel as coach accidentally subbed on one too many players, which got them thrown out and Munster qualified instead. Very odd. Right, so let's uh, round off our two-episode special on the Regionalio West by talking about a team called Wuppertaler SV. Now... They are a team coming from the city of Wuppertal, which is most famous for what's it called? The uh, you know the gliding thing that runs. Schwebebahn is the German word. What's the English word? I don't know. <laughs> it's basically like a gondola that uh, floats over the city. So um, it's um, yeah. So you can sort of see the city of Wuppertal from a gondola. Wuppertal SV is a club that has a bit of a past in in the Bundesliga and the Bundesliga two. You know, they were sort of um, a decent enough second-tier side, first-tier, on on the edge of getting into the first-tier before the Bundesliga was founded. They actually played in the Oberliga the last year before it uh, was turned into a national... All the Oberligas, I mean, there were many, they were turned into a national Bundesliga. So they played second-tier football for many, many years. Then they got up to the Bundesliga in... 72, where they actually <laughs> made a bit of a, a mark on the league that first season they uh, they were there because they finished fourth, which is absolutely, even back then, is tremendous result for a side newly promoted. And uh, they finished fourth in their first season. And uh, their top striker, his name was Günter Prepper. He was called... Mr. Prepper or Meister Prepper, which uh, I think is a play on on a German cleaning remedy, right? He scored uh, 21 goals that season and uh, was only behind Gerd Müller and Jupp Heynckes in in the scorings that season. So uh, quite a result. That 
first year in the Bundesliga. Actually, gave them a, a place in the UEFA Pokal for the 73-74 season. But as the team was aging, it didn't manage to pull off the same sort of uh, results the following year. And they actually, rather disappointingly, uh, went out against the Polish side called Ruch Shosov especially because they lost that first leg 4-1. Managed to stay in the league by the skin of the teeth and uh, the following season they were relegated. And if you put the three-point rule of today into account, they managed to collect by that standard a grand total of 14 points, which I think is the second worst grand total in a Bundesliga season. Only beaten by Tasmania Berlin. So they went down and since then they've sort of been a team that managed to stay in the Bundesliga 2 for quite some time. But then, if you look in the more recent past, there has been financial trouble quite a lot. And they've uh, been, you know, floating around the divisions between uh, the 5th, the 4th and the 3rd tier ever since... um, well, uh, 1994. So um, that's where they're at. And right now, they're actually doing rather well. They are in the top half of the table. And uh, hey, Stadium und So, wasn't that the first ground you described on your ground hopping segment, Mike? I think so. At least I described it. I'm not sure if it was the first, but I also know that I looked up the word, the English word for Schwebebahn at that time, but I have forgotten <laughs> it again. Wow. <laughs> Their ground is a well worth a visit as it's uh, old, charming and, um, well, everything you would want uh, from a football ground. Uh, yeah, it has this cycling track. Mm, one, right. of the, the, one of the curve stands um, has a cycle. Uh, it was a bicycle world championship in, I would say, 1950s, whatever. So, Yes, I think uh, that is correct from... Uh, my recollection of what you told me the last time about that stadium. <laughs> Anyways, I think that is it. Well, uh, before before I let you guys go, um, out of the eight teams we've talked about, any favourites? The Tunicon for me. I, there's something about their history, especially with their crazy chairman at the time, and the fact that they don't have that many fans because of the other local clubs in the area. And also they run a very, very big youth development project, which is very, very interesting for me. Actually, one one funny story I just uh, just came to my mind uh, when we said Fortuna Köln. They actually um, ran a program um, where they wanted fans to vote on everything. Everything was to be voted. I mean, it was sort of like, you know, that English club that had the same sort of... They did it before them, I think. You could vote on which players to sign, who to put in the starting lineup. But, you know, after a while, things got so ridiculous as, you know, people just got fed up with the entire thing. And when it came time to um, vote on which sausage should be sold in the stadium, the most chosen option in the online poll was abstained. So the fans going to the stadium called that sausage the abstainment sausage, <laughs> which I think is, is absolutely tremendous. So Fortuna Köln has a bit of a, a place in my heart. Uh, Mike, uh, do you have any favorites out of the eight teams? I hate this question because I think Fortuna Köln is really the most boring one of those teams. <laughs> and I really, really hate Rot-Weiss Essen and Preußen <laughs> Münster. So... 
Well, if, if I need to choose one, I would go for Rot-Weiß-Oberhausen because of the Emscher Kurve. Right, there you go. Uh, my choice would um, Rot-Weiß-Essen. I cannot choose as Steve Marnquist, quite obviously, is the poor man's Wenke Mürre. I mean, come on. Honestly, get a grip. You know what? I, I actually, I, you know, I, I do I do like a bit of a masochistic story, so I'm, uh, it's hurting for me. I mean, if on top of that, what we didn't mention in, in, in that episode was the fact that the biggest sporting club in Erdingen is not the football club. It's the ice hockey team, which, you know, is, um, yeah, it must be a kick to the balls if you're a football guy. But anyways, I think this is it for this episode. Uh, Jasmine, uh, delightful to have you back on. As always, uh, tell our listeners where they can find your work and where they can find you on Twitter. Yep, you can find me on Twitter underscore Jasmine Barber, and I have a fortnightly column at The Athletic and also a monthly column at DW Sports. Wow, you're quite busy. Uh, Mike, uh, what is occupying your spare time and where can people find you on Twitter? Yeah, I do have a work daily column on the Milan Tone and you can find me on uh, Twitter on Mike Kru. Excellent. You can find me, Nick Viltagen, at Nor Musings. You can find the podcast at Talking Foosball. Make sure to give us a rating in iTunes. It helps. If you are interested in this sort of content, like this episode about, you know, historic stuff, get onto our Patreon page. There you can get loads and loads and loads and loads of historic content and even some tactical deep dives that me and Jasmine have recorded throughout the season for as little as $3 a month. So check that out. Uh, next up on this channel are the Fantasy Boys who are going to tell you which Rotweiss Essen players you should sign. Oh, no, hang on, though. I'm only talking about the Bundesliga. Anyways... Listen to the show. Uh, until next time, it is goodbye for now.